Culture Wars with Giles Hardy and Dom Knight. It's Christmas. We should celebrate, they said. Just a little get-together for the employees. Have a few drinks. Blow off a little steam. Nothing crazy. Merry Christmas, Jeremy. Great night, huh? This is a sample cheese board for a holiday mixer tonight. I'm sorry, you're having a Christmas party tonight? It's not happening. That is Jennifer Aniston. She is most certainly anti-office Christmas party. The question, though, Giles Hardy, is are we as well? Well, I think the question is what the heck is a culture war? Because, well, we've only been doing this for a little while. So, Dom, what's, what's culture war? There's still a couple of hundred people across the planet who don't know. This is the podcast where we review movies and in an attempt to guarantee a spat, an entertaining feud, we hope, we toss a coin and take a side. Whether we both love a movie, whether we both hate a movie, whether we split the difference. Yeah, look, essentially the, the rationale was that Shockingly, uh, you know, more and more critics all come to a fairly uh, solid consensus. And no, there are plenty don't. of people out there who are agreeing with each it's other about true. films. Uh, but thankfully, Dom and I can't agree on anything. Indeed. Whoops. Uh, yeah, jeez, you can't. I cannot take you anywhere, <sighs> or in fact, sit with you anywhere in front of a microphone. But because of the critics doing this, we decided that there's a, the only way to justifiably ensure that one of us agrees with you, dear listener, is that we never agree with each other. One of us is pro the film. One of us is anti the film. It's a conceit. We are very conceited. Yeah, this is true. And let's face it, it is uh, it is a device which, when you're in the film industry, is oft used. Indeed it is. So, Giles, you have a coin in your hand. I do. It goes like this on the table. There you go. Um, Dom, you, I call it in the air. I'm going to go tails. It's heads. Oh. Dom, office Christmas party is really, really, you are waiting to find out where I'm going to land, really not up to it. Oh, Giles, you're missing out. You're missing out on the holiday treat of the year. Now, that, look, okay, come on. I, I, look, I'm almost willing to give this holiday treat of the, mo- of the year by definition. I mean, it's basically it's down to this and Bad Santa 2 for Christmas film. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> low, <laughs> low bar indeed. The handicapped race that that is. If you want to know what we thought of Bad Santa 2, listen to a previous instalment of this program. Now, look, they didn't spend a lot of time thinking up titles for this one because it, it is what it says on the label. Office Christmas Party is a film about an office Christmas party. And what we have is uh, one of the most extraordinary casts for a holiday Christmas movie in many, many years. And essentially you have fine actors doing the thing that they do best and which we love them doing. Yeah. So Jason Bateman plays downtrodden but funnily snarky and really likable, competent guy who just got his heart broken. uh, Wait, sorry, hold on a sec. So you're saying Jason Bateman plays Jason Bateman? Yeah. So it's essentially the Arrested Development persona. Probably Sons Arrested Development writers. Yeah, for that. Um, Jennifer Aniston plays a horrible boss. With great aplomb. The other central figure is T.J. Miller, who's the wacky guy who yells party a lot. Now, T.J. Miller runs the Chicago branch of a family tech company. Jason... Yeah, belonging to he and his sister, Jennifer Aniston. Jason Bateman is the competent person who keeps the show on the road. And Olivia Munn is his sidekick slash tech guru slash love interest. Into this happy environment walks Jennifer Aniston, who's the CEO of the family company. Has a bit of tension with the old brosif... And she decrees, as we just heard, that there is to be no office Christmas party this year, Giles. None whatsoever. She puts the kibosh on the fun. Yes, and she also threatens to cut 40% of this movie, which, I mean, sorry, 40% of The Office. So we have ourselves 
a protagonist and an antagonist, certainly, who's basically there to ruin Christmas. She plays Scrooge. She plays, I don't know, Bad Santa, if you wish. Um, And the question is, will they have the party or won't they? Now, since the film is called Office Christmas Party, you can imagine that, yes, they do. And the reason they do is because there is a potential client by the name of Walter who they decide um, they can win over getting a huge contract and thus saving the branch in time for Christmas and saving all their jobs if, Giles, and when's this ever happened before in a movie, an ingenious idea, they have the best party in the history of Christmas. That is indeed the plot. Will they? Will they save Christmas and their jobs? Will they land, Walter? Who knows? Now I can't agree with your plot synopsis because the thing is you've implied questions in this plot synopsis. There was not a single single question to be found in this plot synopsis. Basically, yeah, this is called Office Christmas Party. Uh, Jason Bateman turns up playing an extraordinary uh, role of Jason Bateman. Jennifer Mm -hmm. Aniston is there to play Jennifer Aniston. Mm -hmm. TJ Miller is a very good TJ Miller. He's the best one there. If you want someone to play TJ Miller, he was there for it. And Olivia Munn, who I adore, turns up, and that's fantastic. And I think she's probably the best thing about this film. So then we get the complicated plot, which is that there's an office Christmas party. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, done. That's great. Uh, and and but then no, there is, and, but it's a really big one. And then they then they bring together every single R-rated joke that they think they can, including a 3D printer of a penis. Oh my goodness! See, this is the thing I love about this film, Giles, that they take. All these, I guess, cliches of the genre, all the things that you'd expect, like the everyone photocopies their ass joke, and they just throw the kitchen sink at every single thing you can think of. So it goes to about 10 people photocopying their asses, and then it moves on to the 3D printer extruded version of the cock and balls. And the, the great thing is, it's okay, the premise we've certainly seen before, but the characters are very, very likeable. We haven't yet me- uh, mentioned who, what I think is the best thing about this film, Kate McKinnon, this year's uh, all-round comedy MVP, basically uh, playing the HR manager who's another wacky Kate McKinnon character. And the characters are wonderful. The jokes, most of them landed for me, uh, possibly not all, but certainly most did, ranging from the witty to the downright uh, scatological. And it just bombards you like on Christmas morning when you're surrounded by presents and gifts. You unwrap them. Some of them are a bit disappointing, but some of them are wonderful. And that's what the film's like. Well, I suppose, look, my biggest uh, frustration with the film is that it started... Uh, well, uh, and, and by that I mean it started terribly uh, and also started without you in the room. So I get to review the first five minutes yeah, the of first this five film minutes pretty I'm, much. I'm uh, yeah, I, I have official call on whether the first five minutes were the best five. I got what there in time missed, for the Nerf gun fight. Yeah, well, what you missed was the. Uh, it begins on a different office Christmas party, which is an office Christmas breakfast at Jason Bateman's divorce lawyer's uh, law firm. So I'm definitely going it, back and watching this. It sets the... Uh, yeah, it is, it is whimsically setting just how bad uh, Christmas parties become. And the premise is, of course, which I, I think is quite clever and, and is more than I'd given the film credit for, is the, notion, is the notion that uh, essentially litigation and HR and the threat of responsibility has strangled the life out of all Christmas parties. And there's you know a case to be made there, probably by a lawyer. Uh, then the film moves on to the you know the plot you've outlined. I certainly can't uh, discount any of that. I didn't uh, miss you, much, did I? You, well you didn't bring it you didn't mention Chekhov's bridge. There is a uh, you know the, the theory of Chekhov's gun if there if there is a gun in the first act it must be fired in the second. Well if there's a bridge that is discussed that it must be jumped over in the mm. first act of a film. By the third act you know that someone's going to be driving it towards seems that like bridge. Innocent banter uh, talking about 
an evil Knievel type stunt. Yes, it comes back. There are lots of things that they set up that then yeah, uh, exactly. Are, are brought back they, later. But, but the bridge in particular, I mean, they basically may as well put a big big arrow that said, "We're going to be jumping this later." Just just keep that in mind in case. Yeah, for the really hard of thinking, bridge equals cargo over. And and I was really on board for that, not for the jumping, but on board for the way the the film is progressing. But look, the film I want to compare this to is actually not. Bad Santa 2, but oh. last year's The Night Before, which was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Seth Rogen, uh, and, and that was a film about uh, three guys who were, you know, they had a grand Christmas tradition and they then went on this R-rated, you know, obscene circus of uh, of of a night. If your argument's going to be, Giles, that there are better films in the world, it's going to be no, very hard for me to win this one. The distinction is going to be that there are films that do it with heart. And actually, that was my biggest concern with this. I, I, I'm the first to acknowledge I laughed in this film. And, and yeah, this is not Underworld Blood Wars. Uh, that's easily the best thing I can say about any film at the moment. But uh, <laughs> the, this is certainly not Underworld Blood Wars. It's not, I'm not. There are ice sculptures. I'm not though. kicking this with steel cap boots. But uh, the. And there's a blonde. Uh, but as far as I know, she wasn't moving really fast and ripping people's spines out. Uh, but yeah, no, with the, the night before, there was a lot of heart that went alongside the humour. And so you really enjoyed the story as well as the laughs. And I think that Office Christmas Party is one of those films where it's leaning for me too much towards the laughs and it's it's going to be one where two or three years from now I don't see anyone adding this to their my favorite christmas films of all time because there is something about you want heart even in die hard there is actually a heart filled story at the heart yeah, of, of what is arguably the greatest christmas movie of all time so I, I suppose I'm basically saying that as this film sets out its stall, as it goes from a bad party and how lame and disappointing that is for everyone and the, the employees who all have uh, their employment and their bonuses on the line, through to the boss who's you know got a big life choice and he's dealt with divorce, through to the owners who uh, have family conniptions, they have issues with each other, issues with a deceased father. There's all sorts of investment made potentially for Hart in this film and I don't feel like really any of that is paid out. That's a pretty high bar. I mean, look, okay, I can conceive of a world in which this film was, was a bit better. I can certainly conceive of a world in which they took more risks with the characterizations because, honestly, the casting really is just, hey, come and do that thing that you do. But the point is, it is fun. It is really enjoyable. And t- to me, the ingenuity that is on display here is in terms of how far they take things, in terms of every possible joke that they think up it doesn't let up for a moment and as the party goes on and as we move through to late at night everyone's very drunk and then the following morning it is just extraordinary how far they go with the visual gags i mean essentially um even though this party's put together at very very short notice um with the um, idea of winning over walter it becomes quite like that moment in the hangover where you you wake up in the hotel room and the camera pans across the scene and you just kind of like how did that leopard get in there that sort of thing why is mike tyson here and they do that kind of thing you see this essentially incredibly bombed out landscape of the office the following day and they just must have had such fun putting this together reindeers feature um the DJ is very, very funny. Uh, the party DJ who can make an air horn sound, just like Giles Hardy, actually. That's right. Essentially, they, they turned the comedy up to 11 at all times. And so I think in terms of a fun holiday movie that you should possibly watch after having Christmas drinks, unless that drink is eggnog for reasons that will become clear if you watch the film, <laughs> this film is great. It's It doesn't have a whole lot in terms of heart, although I thought that was enough. The, even the romance sort of subplot that's in there with Bateman and Olivia Munn, yeah. But 
it totally did what I wanted from a film. It was it brought good cheer to all, Giles. Well, look, yeah, the, the directing team here is uh, Josh Gordon and Will Speck. Now, they have combined twice. One was well, for, two, for two major films. They've combined for more than this, but the two films really jumped out to me are The Switch. Now, that was where they obviously got to know Jennifer Aniston and uh, Jason Bateman. Now, I don't know if anyone is unfortunate enough to have seen The Switch. Um, Innocent. Hysterical. Hysterical is not a word that is often thrown at the film The Switch in which Jennifer Aniston plays a woman who wants to fall pregnant because the casting team had read too many magazines. Uh, And they then decided to... She she, uh, obtained some semen, uh, which was... I think from memory, and it has been a while since I saw this and have attempted to scrub it from my brain since then. Uh, for reasons best known, she had essentially the semen in a cup uh, in her bathroom. Uh-oh. Jason Bateman went to a party, not an office Christmas party, to be fair, just a party at her place. And I can't remember you know, quite how it got disturbed, and I choose not to remember. I don't think we went in apple pie territory, oh, American pie territory, I should say. But uh, then, of course, he, you know, he felt that there was a simple means for him to switch... Uh, in some locally produced semen. Why are you doing this to me? Because this is what happens when these directors and Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston come together. No pun intended. It's, it's not fair. Now, the other I film... I haven't seen that. It sounds terrible. It was. <laughs> we don't need to disagree on that. Doesn't mean this one's bad. The other film they combine for, arguments though, work. is Blades of Glory. Right. Now, Blades of Glory is an excellent, excellent film. Well, there you go. That is a uh, a very, very funny film led by uh, Will Arnett uh, and uh, you know and and you know and I suppose Will Ferrell, you know, pretty prominent as well. That where the, there's two wills, the, there's a way. Indeed, but there's the it's the two uh, American males coming together for couples ice dancing uh, at the uh, well, not at the Olympics because I don't think they could get the rights for that that kind of film. But when Will Ferrell was going through the uh, the th- the series of doing sports films, this was his ice skating film, and it was very, very funny. These guys directed that so they're hitting their miss and i think both their hit and their miss turn up in this film because essentially you get uh, yeah the, the jennifer aniston jason bateman we cast them to play themselves problem and the bit where they can't work out how to do adult jokes and a bit of pathos but when they go to the jokes when they do the blades of glory style just do it as big and insane as you can it, it works they, they can deliver the funny so i suppose i feel like this is an hour and a half sketch not an hour and a half feature film and that's my biggest complaint about it. I feel like we are somewhat joining in the middle here, Giles, <laughs> in, our, in, our, in our view of this film. Essentially, the question is, is it a satisfying experience? I thought it, it absolutely is. Um, some of the twists along the way weren't entirely predictable. And there are some some great subplots along the way. There's one where um, the the office nerd calls an escort um, to, to dance with him during the course of the evening and essentially pretend to have a girlfriend. And the way that pays out, I thought... Was very funny. There, there yeah. are lots of very. And that was Australia's Abby Lee yeah. as Savannah, On the, uh, the escort. So uh, yeah, she is excellent. Um, to, I, I will happily, uh, you know, d- drift over to to your side of the the equation for a moment um, and say that for me, the two people who really jumped out were Gillian Bell, who played Savannah's pimp Trina. Yes, yes uh, she, she was excellent. Pretty much steals the film every time she turns up, and it's because she's given a character to work with. And I think ultimately, that's that is to my mind, Josh Gordon and Will Speck's biggest problem is when they give act as a character that is not themselves, they really have fun with it. And sometimes you can see Olivia Munn drags Jason Bateman into different territory. Particularly they do a fun dance where they're both dressed as ridiculously fat snowmen and they do a, a sort of an R and a B R and B dance. And that's actually that that 
as a pullout moment worked really nicely. But I got cut down, and I actually thought Olivia Munn didn't have enough to do. I think she's yeah, a great actress. She was but- overcoming the fact that she probably had been told to play Olivia Munn, but you're good at computers. Yeah, well, uh, no, but she is. She's she's kind of come from this oh, tech absolutely. background, yeah. and so that kind of fits into the into the exactly. thing. But she's so- there in that in that fairly cliched love interest. Um, has a bit of heart role. And yeah. it means she doesn't get to, to bring a and, lot of laughs, and that's, and that's I mean. a there's, shame. There's, the reason you don't get heart is the fact that you don't have characters at the heart of this. They have You have people who are, have got a series of moves they're going to get through to get to the, each joke, uh, and that, that's a problem. The other person I do want to shout out to is uh, Fortune Feinster, who plays Lonnie, the Uber driver, uh, and she yes. she acts comedic circles around Jennifer Aniston in two particular scenes. We're agreeing! Josh, yeah. <laughs> this is how we're supposed to go! You're the one saying yes. I'm just saying that there are two people, and but I, I'm... I'm You're saying frame, nice things. I'm saying that the extra, well, not extra, but the featured extra essentially is what that role would be called, act circles around the name talent. So I don't know if that gets qualified as a poster ball quote, but uh, look, if people want to. Yeah, the, the ensemble here works really well because essentially it is an hour and a half of sketch. The central actors have the most to do and mostly can't escape the fact that they've got no, no room to move. Well, the biggest problem in that sense, if we're... Are we going to... You see me drifting. Look, okay. Let's just... There we go. Okay. I'm going to... Okay, taking my complete honesty hat and putting it on, because that's a thing. I did laugh an awful lot at this film. I'll freely admit that. I did laugh an awful lot. I and, and if you are going for 90 minutes of laughing, the laughter rate at this is really high. It's a significantly better film than Bad Santa 2. I still don't hate Bad Santa 2, but this is... This is, oh, this is I'm better. utterly uh, happy to declare this the, uh, the Christmas comedy hit of the year. Uh, as far as I'm aware, there's no others um, that, are, <laughs> that are jumping on the top of my head anyway. But, you can't uh, watch Die Hard again. Now, look, the thing is, it, it's a great cast. very good, actually. <laughs> there's, there's a great cast of, of, of actors here. They all have... Funny things to do, but in essence, it's an embarrassment of riches. It's like having too much to eat at Christmas lunch because um, no one character really takes over. If anything, it becomes Kate McKinnon's film the more it goes on, and her character really is is so flimsy that that's not necessarily a good thing. Even though it's very funny, so the th- there's no central story here. The really. odd thing is that the f- the girls are constantly kicking the comedic goals here. Like in in terms of uh, you know pr- proof the girls can be funny. Great film for that. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston uh, has a lot of fun. Being yeah, the they, horrible boss. And, and she gets to she gets to uh, really torture a small child at one point, which is great. And you see more off off cuts of that in the credits as well. That worth is a very good scene. For. But yep. uh, but the weird thing is, yeah, you it's still it's like they went. We've got all the great comedy bits and we've given them to the female roles, but they couldn't help themselves. They put the central story around Jason Bateman and T.J. Miller and whether the essentially their bromance can survive the uh, the slings and arrows of our outrageous fortune, and the, that that means that you've essentially said whenever we come back to our heroes, we lose interest. It's true, and and they have the traditional structural elements of oh, you've got to have a moment where he potentially loses the girl. Oh, you've got to have a moment where he potentially loses the boy as well. Yeah, and and those moments are so brief, and you, the film is so formulaic that you know it's going to be fine in a matter of about 10 seconds and it is don't want to ruin a thing but I don't think we are however I mean in this the film end, would have been infinitely better if Olivia Munn had played Olivia Munn and Jason Bateman's part she, yes. if you actually combined the two into one role and just made and made it Olivia Munn never TJ Miller's love interest like Olivia Munn's character is slightly undermined by the fact she has to occasionally pretend to be interested in Jason Bateman yeah it's who is, who is playing the he, he is so into his Arrested Development character territory that he's in that mode where no one could plausibly find him attractive yeah look I um, <laughs> kept expecting Ron Howard's voice over to go yeah. he did yeah. like I was waiting for a footage not found moment yeah but look in, in the end of the day it is fun 
Um, it's certainly far from a classic, but it's more than good enough to entertain you. If you oh want yeah, no. If you to want escape, barbecue your brain for mindless a bit. escapism on Boxing Day, this one is good. Though there is some really good stuff coming out on Boxing Day too, which we will invariably speak of in uh, short order. Indeed, we will. Once we went to a Red Dog True Blue the other day, we'll talk about that soon as well. Charles, what's the Christmas party for Culture Wars? You. Well, I'm going to organise one. I, I'm going to go to the Actor Awards tonight, and because we're disagreeable, you're not. Wow, what a note to leave it on. Yeah, I mean, let's let's keep the theme going. I may or may not see you next time, yeah. Giles. That's that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. No, it hasn't.